You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, America. This is um, the Surveyor's Hour on America's Web Radio. Uh, I'm your host, Jeff Lucas. I'm a land surveyor and attorney. We'll spend the next hour talking about land surveying and land surveyors. As always, your questions and comments are welcome. You can send them to Jeff at America's Web Radio. Dot com. Uh, you can find out more about me at my personal website, www.lucasandcompany.com. Check out our website. Check out uh, our resources. Uh, we have some free resources there on the uh, on the website. And I think we have uh, a copy of what we're talking about here today. We're talking about the, um, the new uh, 2021 Alta NSPS land title surveys. The minimum standard detailed requirements, these became effective February 23rd, 2021. And uh, last week we, um, we started um, sort of a review of what's, uh, of what's changed, if anything. Uh, and beyond that, though, some of the ramifications of the standards. Uh, so we got into that a little bit last week. And... Um, so we're gonna we're gonna pick up there. I don't uh, remember exactly uh, what I have talked about or didn't talk about. Kind of go without a script here. So if I repeat myself a little bit uh, versus last week, um, uh, just uh, excuse me for that. But uh, the I know I, I talked about this to a certain extent. But the the standards, these uh, Alta NSPS standards, since. The 2011 uh, version have been pretty revolutionary, at least in my mind, uh, revolutionary. And one of the um, one of the key components of this um, uh, of what happened in 2011 was these standards for the first time that I know of. Now I haven't I haven't taken the opportunity to dig into the all 50 jurisdictions and to read the standards practice for land surveyors in every jurisdiction. I've sort of got, uh, uh, I am familiar with some in particular, and some are better than others, but uh, primarily all of these various standards across the country uh, in, the, in the various jurisdictions. When I say jurisdictions, I generally mean the states, the 50 states that we have and uh, possibly uh, some of the territories where there's uh, license surveying. But uh, so I haven't had the occasion to uh, examine um, all of the standards of practice, but I do know this. I know that the NCEES, that's the National Council of Examiners for Engineers and Surveyors, they promulgate um, model laws and rules, laws being model statutes and rules being model administrative rules and they've also in that uh it's either in the uh it's uh i think it's 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 either in their rules or their statutes they they have a they have sort of a standard uh, a minimum technical standard type document so i imagine that uh, a lot of because i see a lot of them that are very similar so i imagine that has to do with some sort of model rules that uh, the NCEES has has come up with that um, uh, that get adopted 
by the various boards uh, in, uh, in in the various states uh, that regulate land surveying, engineering, you know, and other other professions. So uh, that's that's where a lot of, of these rules and regulations and, and standard uh, documents come from, or at least that's where they maybe originated. But one of the problems with uh, the standards, just as a general, uh, uh, just as a, uh, a general observation, is they, by and large, they do not describe what it is that we do. They do not describe what it what they do not describe describe what uh, actually surveying uh, what surveying is. And I know I went over this last week, but I'm going to go over it again. Um, so um, let's see, where do I have it? Okay, okay uh, I was I'm looking for something here. Excuse me. Uh, where do I have my quote from? Black's Law. Oh, I'm on the wrong page. All right, here we go. Um, all right, so what is a standard? What is a stand? What what would a standard of practice be? If we go to Black's Law Dictionary, a standard is a type, a model, or combination of elements acceptable as correct or perfect. That's what a that's what a standard is. Okay, and these various standards of practice across the country they don't describe that. They don't describe a model or a combination of uh, elements acceptable as correct or perfect. Now, we know we can't be perfect. No one's perfect, okay? There can't. There is no perfect practice. Um, everyone is subject to making uh, errors, error, uh, making errors and having omissions. That's why you get errors and omissions insurance, okay? Um, no, no one's perfect. Um, but a standard would describe... Uh, and, and, and the land surveying context would describe what correct practice is. And that's what they don't do. That's what they don't do. Uh, they don't describe what correct practice is. And, and the, the, the uh, modern trend has been to take these uh, minimum technical standards that were, um, that were developed across the country and uh, shine them up a little bit and call them standards of practice when, in fact, they aren't standards of practice at all. In many cases, uh, these so-called standards of practice, which are just um, uh, minimum technical standards with a new name, um, they actually, and we've discussed this on the program before, they actually provide cover. They provide cover for aberrant uh, practice. They provide cover for the deed staker to go out and and stake deeds, and we know that deed staking isn't. That's not a retracement survey, and that's not an original survey. These these standards don't describe the two basic fundamental principles of survey. What's an original survey? Tell us what that is. Show us a model of the, that. Show us a model of correct practice for the uh, for um, the performance of an original survey. And show us a model for the correct practice of doing retracement surveying work. None of them do that. None of them do that. In 2011, these uh, Alta NS, well, it was Alta ACSM, uh, the American Congress on Surveying and Mapping, was still around back then. Um, I'm not going to say came close, but started in the correct direction, okay? And the way they did that was 
by describing the difference between precise measurements and accurate results. The difference between that just that, that basic issue there. What what are precise? What is it? What are we? What are precise? What's the difference between precise measurements and and uh, accurate results? You, you see, if you go to you, if, if your surveyors are out there, go, go look at your state minimum technical standards, or you might be calling them standards of practice uh, now. Well, what do what do you have in the back? What's what in the table in the back? What do you have? You have uh, you have uh, part of those standards. You have accuracy standards, okay? And the accuracy standards from your standards of practice or your minimum technical standards are uh, are a check on how well you measured. They're a check on how well you measured. They may be represented by uh, some sort of confidence level, uh, or they may be represented by a um, an error uh, error of closure ratio. But most of these standards across the uh, across the country, when they talk about accuracy, they're talking about the measurements. But there's a difference between correct results and precise measurements. You see, and that just that just shows us a, a, a huge problem with these standards of practice across the country. They don't even describe what correct practice is. Correct practice is getting a good closure. That means your survey is accurate. Now, I understand. I understand. You can have accurate measurements because they are correct. That's another way of saying my measurements are accurate because they are correct measurements. They, I did them with precision. We have redundancy built in there. We've checked our closure. These measurements are accurate. Is that the focus of a survey? Of property is that the focus to have accurate measurements is that what it means to have an accurate survey for the title companies that is a big fat no they don't care about your measurements what they care about are correct results and that's what these standards are all about correct results Precise measurements and correct results. Another way of saying accurate is you're correct. If, if the focus of the survey is actually finding, retracing the established boundary lines of the property in question, that's what retracement surveying is. None of our standards describe it that way, but that's what, that's what it is. You've got to go to the court cases to find the description of what a retracement survey is. It's generally put in the terms of following in the footsteps of an original surveyor. So that brings up a question, what is an original survey? And is, has every property in the United States been surveyed by, an, by a quote-unquote original surveyor, originally laid out for well, – what, what, tell us how that happens. We can't even put that in our standards. Uh, ostensibly, surveyors don't know or at least the ones who are writing these rules, these standards. There's an old saying. We've heard it. We've all heard it before. You can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig. 
that's basically what most of the standards across the country are. When they call them standards of practice, what they really are are their technical standards written by technicians for technicians. And one of the easiest ways to, to identify that that's exactly what they are is what do your standards say about accuracy? Are they talking about measurements or are they talking about correct results? In other words, did you identify the true and correct property lines? And that, so an original surveyor, you got to have a common grantor to be to even be an original surveyor. You got to have a common grantor, or grantors, or a developer, someone who owns some entity that owns all of the property. And then when you um, accepting the exterior boundaries, which would have to be supported by a retracement surveyor survey. When you're putting in these brand new lines in the interior of this subdivision, you the surveyor is um, is the, the process is creating new property lines, and it's a process. The surveyor stakes them out. Uh, the developer puts them up for sale. They get bought by a grantee. Looks like we're getting ready to go to break in about a minute. They, about a minute, we'll go to break here. They get bought by a grantee property rights attached to those lines, those monuments, those lines and those corners, and then they become established on the ground. That's a process. And it doesn't always have to involve a, uh, a surveyor, an original surveyor. As a matter of fact, I'm going to say that um, possibly the majority of all property lines in the United States of America were never laid out by what we would consider to be an quote-unquote original surveyor okay we're we're going to break um we'll be back uh, after these messages and we'll continue with the discussion ladies and gentlemen boys and girls of all ages join me roger b every tuesday at 1400 hours right here on america's web radio for the locked and loaded show we will talk about guns weapons ammo gun accessories prepping and so much more so be sure to join us every tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m for locked and loaded on america's web radio hello my name is Rick white and i'm the director of the georgia military veterans hall of fame i want to encourage all georgia veterans to consider being nominated to the georgia military veterans hall of fame and if you're already Georgia veteran, and the definition of a Georgia veteran is either you were born in the state of Georgia, or you've lived here 10 years, or you were raised to right hand and joined the military in this state, you are considered a Georgia veteran. For further information, go to www.gmbhof.org, or you can contact me at 678-427-0915. We'd love to have your nomination for the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, welcome back. We are. Uh, this is the Surveyor's Hour. It's uh, Monday morning, and we don't have any tornadoes this week, which is uh, uh, a welcome change uh, from the last last couple of weeks uh, here in the uh, in the southeast and you know Texas, Alabama. Well, not not Texas as much, but. Uh, they had the tornadoes come through the, uh, their way, and then across Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, we've just, uh, uh, well, we survived. Let's just thank God for that. Uh, we did survive. So uh, we had a near miss, by the way. Uh, our neighborhood, uh, The uh, just on a side note here, the, uh, we had a tornado go. Was it, it, was, it was spinning up in the air, but it, it didn't touch down in our neighborhood, thank God. 
but uh, it it, uh, it flew right over our house. And the week before that, we uh, they were the, I'm say they the tornadoes multiples were uh, passing uh, north of Birmingham and uh, and south of where we live uh, here in Shelby County. And so anyway, it's just been um, it's just been um, a very uh, interesting time to say the least. But uh, back to surveying, uh, enough of that. All right, so what we talked about, what we were talking about is, okay, so the 2000, starting in 2011, uh, these standards, uh, these, uh, uh, this ALTA, A-L-T-A, that stands for American Land Title Association, and the ACSM, American Congress on Surveying and Mapping, which is now, uh, in essence, NSPS, the National Society of Professional Surveyors, uh, ACSM is gone, but in 2011 it was still ACSM. These standards were somewhat revolutionary and actually heading in the right direction because they finally, once and for all, there's a standard that stood up and said, you know what, there's a difference between precise measurements. Yes, measurements can be accurate if they are correct. Uh, accurate means you've got it, you're correct. You're correct, okay? You've got the correct answer. If the focus of the survey is on measurements, it's the wrong focus. Because we used to be able to pound our chest and say that we we are expert measurers. If that's all we have as a profession moving forward, then we've got nothing. We've got nothing. Just just hang up the plumb bob, uh, turn off the total station, uh, turn in your license. We've got nothing. We've got nothing. Pretty soon, and ostensibly with the 2022 adjustment, anyone with a smartphone can get accurate measurements. Okay? Anyone with a smartphone can get accurate measurements. And they will be checking our measurements. If all we have is expert measuring ability, we've got nothing. And if, that, and if you're still saying that, stop it. Shut up. Quit saying that. Accurate, uh, accurate measurements are not the point. Accurate results are the point. And here's the reason why they are the point. Because that's what the title company says. That's what the title company says. And why is it so important what the title company says? Because they've got money and they are going to ensure they're going to issue a title policy based on your survey, and they are going to be ensuring the results of your survey to the landowner. And if you messed it up, then you w- you will be sued. If the title, I, I talk about this a lot. One of the, one of the problems with the land surveying profession is, um, to a certain extent, they're immune. It's immune to prosecution. It's it's immune to uh, litigation. Why? Because there's no money. There's no money to, to do the litigation. You can be, you can be the worst surveyor in the United States of America and, and and never end up in court or getting sued. You might end up in court to testify about your survey, but you're you're, you're not generally not going to get sued. Uh, you can be the worst surveyor in the United States of America and never be sued over your disastrous surveys. You go in, you you're, you just bring complete chaos. You leave complete chaos in your in your wake, and uh, you never have to pay for it. Uh, 
because there's no money for the litigation. That's that's the big difference. One of the ma- one of the primary policing mechanisms of all professions is uh, the fear of litigation or actual litigation, <clears throat> which sends message. Uh, the litigation sends a message to the other professionals. You got to do better. That doesn't that that doesn't work very well in the land surveying profession. I'm not I'm not wishing surveyors to be sued, but it's it's that is just that is just the the nature of uh, of professional practice, the fear of litigation or uh, litigation being a teaching tool um, to to warn other professionals. Don't do this. Don't do this this way. You know, you need correct re, correct results matter. It's not it, it's it's bad form in the medical profession to amputate the wrong leg. That's incorrect practice. But in the land surveying profession, it's totally okay to amputate the wrong leg as long as you do it with precision. That's the problem. That's what our standards are telling us. As lo- you're okay. As long as you have an accurate closure and your measurements are accurate, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you measured, if you surveyed the wrong piece of property. It doesn't matter if you killed the patient, which we've gone over cases uh, like, uh, well, um, lawyer's title versus double tree partners. We talked about that case not too long ago. The surveyor killed the patient. What happened to the surveyor? Got turned into the board. What did the board do? Eh. They could have done a little bit better. They uh, maybe needed a few more notes. But eh. the patient died, was killed by the surveyor. Did, did the uh, did the, the patient sue the surveyor? No, turned the surveyor into the board, and the board didn't do anything. But did sue the title company over this issue we're talking about right here. You see, DoubleTree had bought survey coverage through the title policy. That's what we're getting to here. That's what we're getting to here. All right. So anyway, so um, so now the standards identify. Uh, precise measurements and accurate results okay and why do they do that well because of uh, this thing called a title uh, insurance policy okay a title commitment or the title actually it ends up being the title insurance policy the standard alta insurance policy on the front page uh, has covered risk and one covered risk they have to exclude it for it not to cover it they have on there anything that would show up on a complete and accurate survey. Those are the key words right there, complete and accurate. Anything that would show up on a complete and accurate survey, that's covered under the policy. Okay, so that means they are ensuring uh, the location of the boundary lines, generally speaking. At Doubletree, they actually, it was the ruling was they, they ensured the location of the flood zone as shown on the survey. Okay, they ensured that location, and uh, they will exclude anything that uh, uh, that gets uh, that's disclosed by a complete and accurate survey. Remember those words, complete and accurate. Those are the key words. 
So um, why is it that surveyors aren't getting sued all the time then by uh, the title company who has to maybe pay out on the policy because the surveyor didn't do a, a, an accurate survey? The surveyor did a uh, had had precise measurements of the wrong piece of property because what they what they generally do is they why would you do it this way but this is the way they do it they they provide the coverage and then they exclude it in schedule B it's called the survey exception certainly you've heard of that the survey exception they exclude it in schedule B seems a little bit backwards if you're going to just exclude it why even have it as a cover, as part of the coverage but anyway that's the way they do it it's it's um it's part of the coverage of a standard uh, policy. Then they exclude it in the Schedule B. So, but uh, if, and the, the whole reason for getting a, an ALTA survey is to remove the survey exception. We, we read that last week, I'm pretty sure. And, and uh, the, with the purpose, uh, for uh, Section 1, the purpose. Okay, the, the members of the ALTA and, and these other uh, stakeholders uh, have a need for a survey, a complete and accurate survey. For a survey of real property, plat, and map, uh, or map record of such survey to be acceptable to the title insurance company for purpose of ensuring title to said property free and clear of survey matters. There it is, right there, black and white. The whole purpose of an ALTA survey is to remove the survey exception. So in other words, when they remove the survey exception, what are they doing? They're insuring the survey. Now, does it say in here? It, I, I guess you could uh, infer that uh, that it has to be a, an Alta NSPS land title survey. But the title policy doesn't say that. So in other words, here's something that surveyors don't realize. Any survey can be proffered if it's acceptable by the title company, but the ALTA surveys are for that specific purpose, to be acceptable to the title company. They'll remove the, they'll remove the survey exception from Schedule B, and now, and now the title company will be ensuring not only the title to the property, but the location as shown on that survey as well. Title and location. This is akin to Torin's title. Torin's title is basically gone out of favor in the United States. It's 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 uh, it's it's still there in some statutes across the country. It was it was there in Illinois when we did when I did the Illinois boundary law book. Um, but basically, what you would do is uh, with Torin's title, you would pay a fee, and um, there, there would be a survey that would be the title report would be done, and a survey would be done, and then they would guarantee both the title to the property they the state generally speaking would guarantee both the title to the property and the location of that property on the ground Torrens title it's a two-part question any boundary determination is a two-part question what is the property that's the legal question what is it that's the only thing that the title company generally insures unless we're talking about this we're talking about you know um, an Alta survey and removal of the survey exception. Generally speaking, 
without a survey, the title company is only insuring the title. And who are they insuring it for? If you're getting a mortgage, they will be. You will be buying a uh, a lender's policy for the mortgage company uh, to insure their investment uh, in you and the title to your property. Um, but if they uh, provide what's called unquote unquote survey coverage by removing the the exception of Schedule B, then now they're also going to be insuring the location. And why is this so critical to have a complete and accurate survey? Because that's what you're going to be certifying to, that you have a complete survey and an accurate survey. A complete survey, we'll get to that here in just a second, and correct results. Because if you if you mess it up on an ALTA survey, and there's a problem with the ba- you've identified the wrong boundaries, and the, the garage is actually over the line by five feet. And then the insured calls up the title company and says, "Hey, my garage, you know, have surveyors out here, and my garage is over. I got to move my garage five feet at least, or we got to saw my garage in half. I, I, you know, this is a, this is a problem. I need you to, to fix it." And what the insurance companies are supposed to do is they're supposed to pay first and ask questions later. So, But there's a legion of insurance cases out there where they don't pay. Okay, But anyway, in a perfect world, they look at the situation, they pay out the damages, and then they look for indemnification, and that will be you. And okay, we're going to take a break here in a minute. That will be you. And, uh, and they have the money to sue you. They have the money to sue you. That's why this is so critically important to understand. What is a complete survey and what constitutes an accurate survey? Uh, all right. Uh, we'll be going uh, to break here in just uh, a few seconds here, and we'll be back uh, after these messages. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. Hey folks, this is Victor with the On Point with Victor show. Make sure you listen every Tuesday, 1 to 2, only right here on America's Web Radio, the On Point with Victor show. Remember folks, I'm not angry, I'm just right. And you can find out why every Tuesday from 1 to 2, the On Point with Victor show, only right here on America's Web Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, welcome back. This is the Surveyor's Hour on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Lucas, land surveyor and attorney at law. I'm not here to give you legal advice. If you need legal advice, um, talk to an attorney who is familiar with your situation uh, and the laws in your uh, particular state. All right, so we got to the we got to the key 
the key words here, complete and accurate. That was that was the revolutionary uh, change in the 2011 standards, and it's still in there to this day. I'm actually reading from the 2021 standards. Uh, there have been some minor changes that we'll get to, but uh, the, the purpose is still the same, complete and accurate. Those are the key words. So what's a complete survey? What constitutes a complete survey? Well, if we go here, we're still in, we're still in Section 1. They're not called sections. They're just uh, numbered 1. The sections are numbered 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. Uh, but uh, for reference purposes, so that you don't, you know what I'm talking about. I just call them, I call them by sections. Um, so section one is purpose of an Alta survey, and uh, right here at the end of section one, in order to meet such needs of these, the clients, insurers, insureds, and lenders, uh, they're all entitled to rely on surveyors to conduct surveys and prepare associated plats or maps that are of a are of a professional quality and appropriately uniform, complete, and accurate. To that end, and in the interest of the general public, the serving profession, title insurers and abstractors, the ALTA, American Land Title Association, and NSPS, National Society of Professional Surveyors, jointly promulgated the within detailed Details and criteria setting forth the minimum standards of performance for an Alta NSPS land title survey. And here it is in black and white. A complete survey includes, and then they have four uh, enumerated subparagraphs. First, on site field work required pursuant to Section 5. All right? So, this, like I said, the, this, these standards have eight sections. We're still in Section 1, Purpose. Section 5 is field work. So to have a complete survey, you got to do the field work outlined and discussed in Section 5. All right? Uh, second paragraph. The preparation, uh, subparagraph. The preparation of a platter map pursuant to Section 6, showing the results of the field work. Okay, Section 6 is about preparing a plat or a map. Uh, a plat or a map is not a survey. It's often called a survey. A survey of property is a process, okay? And these standards uh, identify the process, okay? Uh, that's what these sections are all about. It's a process. A map is, in essence, uh, an exhibit. Um, it's often called a survey just in, in short, you know, uh, in, in uh, shorthand. It's called a survey, but a survey is a process. Uh, it's a... Um, and the map would be the end result of that process. It's, uh, in other words, the surveyors. It's like the an attorney writing a legal brief. Uh, it is the surveyor's opinion. And, and, and when we're talking about boundary surveys, which is that's that's what we talk about here on this show. We talk about boundary surveying. We're not going to talk a whole lot about topographic surveying. There's no excitement in topographic surveying. People don't sue each other over topographic surveys. If a surveyor blows a topographic survey, it's a business decision. To there are no there are no property rights that are you know that uh, that uh, where the principles are running out the roof, but the, the war chests aren't you know uh, aren't sufficient, or they do have war chests and they fight it out in the courts. Uh, that's where all the action is uh, from uh, property rights. Um, personal stories, um, 
you know, um, the drama. That's where the drama is, okay, in boundary surveying. That's where all the drama is. There's no drama in topographic surveying. There's, there could be, I guess, some drama with drones, especially if you got one about to crash into you. Uh, but um, that's what we talk about here because, as I've said on many, many occasions, there's only one reason to license surveyors, and that's because of our attachment or our connection with or our involvement with property rights. That's the only reason, property rights. Uh, who can't go buy a drone? Anybody can go buy a drone if they have the wherewithal. If they have the money and the wherewithal, they can go buy a drone. They can take uh, flight lessons. They can get a uh, FAA certificate. They can load it up with um, uh, uh, remote sensing equipment. They can gather data, manipulate that data, and sell it to a willing uh, buyer. You can't regulate the tools. So um, the the only thing, the only thing that the surveyor had, the only reason for licensing and regulating the land surveying profession is our connection to property boundaries and the associated property rights. Okay. So that's it. So we're, that's what we're talking about here. Okay. The draw and the drama takes place with boundary surveys. Uh, and when these things go to court, that's why uh, we we read the cases. That's why I write about the cases. That's why I talk about the cases. That's why I present on the cases because that's the, where the vast majority of the law relative to surveys is stored. You might think that your statutes that set up uh, that set up your uh, your regulatory board and then the administrative code are the rules that the board lays down. That's a, that's a thick volume. That's a lot of law. It's pale in comparison to the number of court cases out there that discuss all of these legal issues. Okay, legal and equitable issues. So, uh, so the vast majority of the law that affects uh, our practice as surveyors is is found in case law. There should be a required study for surveyors uh, in school. Uh, legal research, um, being able to find uh, the case law that affects the practice of surveying in your uh, particular jurisdiction. All right, so one, a complete survey. Number one, the site work involved pursuant to Section 5. The field work involved pursuant to Section 5. Number two, the preparation of a map of the survey as pursuant to section six so you just read section six you do what what the standards talk about doing there um and uh in section six which is the map with the platen map that's what it's that section is entitled um you're, you're going to plot up the results of the field work and uh, the research that was required under Section 4. Section 4 is all about uh, research and what the uh, client or the title company is supposed to provide you with and maybe what you need to get on your own. Um, but anyway, so we're talking about what a complete, the definition of a complete survey. We'll get to accurate survey here in a minute. Um, any information from Table A? We all know what to Hopefully you know what Table A is. Table A is an attachment 
Uh, it could be called Exhibit A, but it's called Table A. It's an attachment to these uh, standards, um, these detailed requirements, and it's, it has some optional uh, features in there that the client can check off. It's a negotiation tool, okay, between the surveyor and the client. And some of the things that show up on Table A uh, are already required uh, by local, uh, uh, state and local standards. So um, even though it, Table A is ostensibly uh, optional services, in many cases, if it's if it's already required by state law, then you're going to have to do that. Because one thing that uh, that um, this, these standards recognize uh, is that if there are state uh, state and local laws uh, that the surveyor is supposed to be following, then the surveyor has to follow those as well, and the most stringent will apply. So if the ALTA standards are more stringent than local standards. Um, the more stringent will apply. If the local standards are more stringent than the ALTA standards, then the local standards will apply in, on that specific issue, whatever that issue is. And you might have to put two certifications uh, and two stamps uh, on uh, on your survey. The ALTA certification, which is Section 7, and uh, your, your local or state uh, required certification, so you might have to have two certifications on your on your survey um, because you're actually uh, when you're if you have state standards, which no doubt you do, and you're doing an ALTA survey, both apply, both of them apply. So uh, anyway, any information from Table A that you agreed to, which is a contract issue, and then the certification outlined in Section Seven. Now I've um, I've uh, I know that it is the when I say committee, I'm talking about the ALTA committee, the NSPS committee. They get together and they come up with these uh, with these standards and revisions to them. I, I am aware that uh, the committee is of the uh, of the opinion that if the certification in Section A is changed in any way, then you're not doing an ALTA then you're not doing an ALTA survey. Uh, and one this was kind of a protection for the surveyors, uh, I think, because uh, if, if some of you guys and gals have been around long enough, where you were working off of, uh, you were working off of uh, older, um, older, older Alta ACSM standards, and the uh, the attorneys would send you back this certification that they wanted you to do, uh, put on your survey about uh, about you know two pages long. And actually, what it was was a rundown of the detailed requirements, and they just wanted you to certify to them. Uh, so uh, th- and this was a change that took place with the 2016, I believe, with the 2016 standards, was this short, one-paragraph, simple certification, which we'll, we'll get to eventually, uh, that basically says, yes, I'm certifying that I followed the standards. And, and I've done a complete survey, a complete and accurate survey. Okay, so a complete survey is you're going to do these four things right here. It says it in black and white. A complete survey is, boom, or includes, boom, Section 5, Section 6, which is the map that incorporates Section 5 and Section 4, which is the research, anything on Table A that was, uh, that was negotiated, and then the certification. Then the certification. So, 
uh, scrolling on down, um, next section of section two, it's just one paragraph long. It basically says it's, it's entitled request for a survey. So it just talks about that a little bit, that, uh, client will request a survey, arrange for the survey to be requested, blah, 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 blah. Basically, this, the, the standards are not a contract. Okay. Don't get mistaken about that. You should have a contract. You should have a, if you're going to do an ALTA, if you're going to do any survey for that matter, but especially if you're going to do an ALTA survey, um, you need a contract and this becomes your exhibit A. Okay. Uh, here are the standards we're going to go by, uh, or you could do it by reference. You wouldn't necessarily have to, uh, attach the, uh, however many pages this document is. Uh, you can do it by reference. We're, 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 we're working under the 2021 ALTA standards. And, um, but table A, you should, uh, that's a negotiation. There's, it's 20, 21, uh, line items. If nothing else, that should be, that needs to be filled out and agreed to between you and your client. And, uh, at the very minimum, that, uh, gets attached to your contract. But the ALTA standards themselves are not a contract. So don't think just because you're doing an ALTA survey that you basically have a contract you're working under. No, you're not. Um, you're, um, they're the standards you'll be working under, but uh, that they're not a contract in and of themselves. All right, folks, we're going to go uh, take a little break here and go into our last segment after these messages. Hello, my name is Rick White, and I'm the director of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. I want to encourage all Georgia veterans to consider being nominated to the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And if you are a Georgia veteran, and the definition of a Georgia veteran is either you were born in the state of Georgia, or you've lived here 10 years, or you were raised your right hand and joined the military in this state, you are considered a Georgia veteran. For further information, go to www.gmbhof.org, or you can contact me at 678-427-0915. We'd love to have your nomination for the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. Thank you so much. Quick Stakes, that's Q-U-I-K Stakes, are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of Quick Stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's Quick Stakes, Q-U-I-K Stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is the Surveyor's Hour on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Lucas. We've been talking about the 2021 Alta NSPS land title survey. Minimum detail requirements. Okay, um, we're in our last segment here. I want to try to finish this up. I think maybe we can. Uh, We're going to scroll down to Section 3 entitled Surveying Standards and Standard of Care. Uh, we have the effective date of these standards. 
other requirements and standards of practice. We already talked about this. You may have local standards that will also apply as well as the, if you're doing an ALTA survey, as well as the ALTA standards. Uh, they both uh, may be, uh, apply, uh, might be in play, could require uh, two certifications on your map. Uh, going rolling down to C, subsection C, normal standard of care. Surveyors should recognize that there may be an, uh, may be unwritten local, state, and regional standards of care defined by the practice of the prudent surveyor in those locales. I can tell you this: the standard of care for uh, all professionals in the United States of America is universal, uh, and that is the uh, reasonably prudent practitioner standard. What a reasonably reasonably prudent practitioner would do in like or similar circumstances, it, it unless otherwise codified. That is the standard of care, what the reasonably prudent practitioner would do in like or similar circumstances. All right, section D, boundary. Uh, okay, here's where we have uh, a little bit of a problem on our hands. This used to say, section 3D used to say boundary resolution. Now it says boundary. Boundary. Resolution has been taken out ostensibly because surveyors don't resolve boundaries. That is a title problem. This is one giant step backwards, uh, in my opinion. It used to be Section 3D was boundary resolution. And here's, uh, I believe that. None of the other wording changed. Hold on a second here. I've got a markup. D. Uh, what was uh, they 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 scratched resolution. Now it's just says boundary. The boundary lines and corners of any property they added in or interest in real property being surveyed. Then in parentheses here and after the surveyed property or property being surveyed as part of an ALTA NSPS land title survey, it used to say shall, now it says must be established and or retraced in accordance with the appropriate boundary law principles governed by the set of facts and evidence found in the course of performing the research and the field work. Here's the problem. The problem is um, it used to be boundary resolution. It's now boundary and I know why they, uh, the committee r- removed resolution from the, the, um, the title of this uh, subsection. And that is because surveyors don't resolve boundaries. Uh, those are title problems. This, uh, this might go over a lot of people's head, okay? And maybe some of you out there uh, listening to me right now don't even understand what I'm talking about. But here's the problem. Um, and it comes to the, uh, this part about the appropriate boundary law principles. What are the appropriate boundary law principles to be applied, and why are we going to apply them? What are the appropriate boundary law principles to be applied, and why are we going to apply them? The appropriate boundary law principles to be applied. There's the only one. These are the only ones that I know of. I don't know of any other boundary law principles, and that's what we've discussed on this program as the boundary location doctrines. The boundary location doctrines. Um, 
and, and what what do the boundary location doctrines do? They resolve boundary problems. Uh, uh, primarily, they are uh, just a quick rundown. We've gone over these before. And I, I don't want to, uh, you know, want to drag this thing out. Adverse possession. That's a title doctrine and a location doctrine. Generally speaking, adverse possession is an argument over the title to the property or the title to some portion of a piece of property. That is a legal question. That is a legal argument. But once resolved, it will also answer the location question. So it is a title and a location doctrine. It's both. But all of the others are pure Location questions, which are factual questions, common grantor doctrine, doctrine of monuments, original surveyor, following surveyor, location, lines actually run on the ground. That's a location question. Acquiescence, that's a location question. Oral agreement, practical location, repose estoppel, junior, senior conveyances. These are location questions. They aren't, and they resolve, they resolve problems with the location based on the title documents. So why are we why so here's the question and maybe I'm just maybe I'm just diving too deep here. We no longer resolve boundaries. It's no longer boundary resolution because surveyors don't resolve boundaries of the title problems. If that's true then what then what what boundary law principles are we talking about here? I, I don't know what they could be, because the, the only one that I know of that surveyors shouldn't be dealing with is adverse possession. That's a t- that's the two-part question. We're arguing the title, and once that is resolved, then the location question will be resolved as well. I don't. So now I used to, in 2011 when they came out with this this retracing, establishing or retracing in accordance with the appropriate boundary law principles governed by the set of facts and evidence found in the course of performing the research and the field work. I used to think I knew what we were talking about here because the only boundary location principles or or, uh, doctrines that I am aware of are the ones that just went over. And they are for the purpose of resolving questions as to location. But now, ostensibly, we don't resolve boundaries. Those are title problems. This is this is a throwback. This is a this is a throwback to the stake the deed mentality. If we don't, I don't know, is stake the deed. Is, is that a boundary law principle? Three D used to say boundary resolution. Now it just says boundary. And I know why they removed resolution because the idea is surveyors don't resolve boundaries. So then, what are we supposed to do? What's left? What's left to do? Uh, I the boundary location. They're the these. 
They're, loca- they're location, doctor. They're factual questions for resolving confused, disputed um, uh, ambiguous boundary locations. Those aren't title doctrines. Have we completely abdicated our position? What we're, see, this was another thing that was revolutionary about the 2011 standards and then continued into the 2016 standards, was this idea of, of the appropriate boundary law principles that we are to establish, we are to, uh, uh, we are to use, not establish, we are to use when conducting uh, original and retracement surveys, the appropriate boundary law principles. I, uh, doing an original survey, I'm not sure how much, um, how many boundary law principles you're going to be dealing with, you'll be dealing with retrace. if you're going to do a new subdivision, you're going to be dealing with retracement when you um, uh, uh, when you do the exterior uh, lines of the subdivision, but the, the interior lines, that's a, that's a stakeout process. That's a math, a math and measurement problem. It, it, there's very little to do with boundary law principles, so basically we're talking about retracement surveying. And with retracement surveying, what other boundary law principles are there? This is a complete train wreck. 3D is a complete train wreck. It's added confusion to what's what was once pretty clear, crystal clear, at least in my mind. I'm, suppo- I'm supposed to do retracement work. Uh, by applying the appropriate location doctrines, uh, to put it in terms that I would use, not the appropriate boundary law principles. Uh, I could overlook the boundary law principle, but now I'm wondering: Are there other principles that the uh, that the committee is looking at here besides the the boundary location doctrines? What what are they looking at? Is stake the deed a boundary law principle? It seems to be the only thing left. If I can't resolve a boundary, and I'm supposed to be applying the appropriate boundary law principle, is stake the deed a boundary law principle? I've Staking the deed is not an original survey. It can't be an original survey. It can't be an original survey because there's there's... There's, uh, there, there, we don't, and we have no unity of ownership. We have diversity of ownership on all the surrounding boundaries. So it can't be an original survey. What about a retracement survey? No, we got one minute to the end of the show. No, uh, it's not a retracement survey either because the, the surveyor is putting new monuments in new locations where they never have ever been before. This is a complete train wreck. We're not finishing these standards today, so we'll pick up here in Section 3D, uh, the, the, the quagmire that the uh, 2021 standards have put us in. All right, folks, it's uh, been great uh, being with you, and we will be back next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.